Welcome back to another series of the Make Life Work podcast, season six, if you're counting. I am your host, Cy Jobling, side project addict with far too many years to count from working in tech. I'm also a software engineering manager, community advocate, and podcast junkie. So this is the ideal platform for me to share topics important to me. This time on the podcast, I've returned to interview more people from around the tech scene about some of their recent projects, how they fit them around lockdown life, along with their day jobs. By diving into their specific projects, we hope to uncover some of the tips and tricks they use to make them happen, so you lovely listeners can try them out yourself. This week, I've invited along Chris Murphy designer and teacher in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Chris has been absorbed in the design world for the past 20 odd years, along with teaching it in further and higher education. In fact, he actually taught last week's guest, MT McCann at one point. So make sure you listen back if you've not heard that one yet. Chris has more recently been applying his vast amount of skills to setting up a new school of design, plus podcasting about his adventures. So I was keen to get him onto this podcast to discuss what's been going on. This is Making the School of Design with Chris Murphy. So welcome along, Chris, to the Make Life Work podcast. Thanks for it's, joining me. It's great to be here, Si. Um, thank you for inviting me. Well, I mean, you've got plenty of things that you can share with us. It feels quite relevant, um, especially with uh, all the little projects that you've got going on. Yeah, a lot. But do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, what you do and how you maybe got there as well? Yeah, I mean, my, my name's Mr. Murphy, um, but you can call Mr. me Chris. Um, okay. And I've been working as a designer for over 30 years now um, and uh, and a teacher, educator for 20 years. And I think that one of the things about teaching um, the internet or teaching digital stuff is that, you know, when I was at Glasgow School of Art in the 80s, computers were just coming in. And one of my lecturers, who was super awesome and great guy, uh, you know, and very historic, and he'd grown up with paste up and all that kind of stuff and didn't really know computers, but also had no desire to learn about computers. And so he was sort of teaching us stuff, but he didn't really know what he was talking about. And I remember thinking at the time it was a bit frustrating. And I think it's the same now. If you're teaching digital, you need to be using digital. You need to be working in this area. And so probably for the best part of, I'd say, 15 years, I was doing a full-time job as a, as a teacher at Belfast School of Art, and, and then like another half-time job running a business as well. So I could keep my hand in building, you know, doing UX, doing UI, and doing design consulting and that kind of thing. And it, I got to a point where I was so, uh, you know, here's your title, make life work. It, it wasn't, my life was not working. I was exhausted because I was basically working about one and a half jobs. And some of the clients were quite big as well, because I was working as a consultant on big projects with like electronic arts and companies like that. So it was kind of serious. And so I'd be starting a day at eight and finishing at sort of nine or 10 or something. And like I got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. So in 2018, I went half time. And there's there's a thing in universities where you can kind of I don't know if it's true of all university, but I went to half time and I said I'd do it for three years. And within six months of being half-time, I just knew I would never go back to being full-time. I just couldn't right. do it. I mean, I, I enjoyed the freedom that I suddenly had. Uh, I also enjoyed the, the work-life balance that came with that because, you know, I didn't have to work crazy hours anymore, which was great. Mm. Um, and so I, so for what I'm trying to say is that, you know, for probably 20 of those years, I was a full-time designer and a full-time teacher. Um, I uh, applied for a senior fellowship of the Higher Education Academy a few years ago, got that. That was to do with, like, you know, good quality teaching. Um, As a design strategist, I've worked with, like, large companies, small companies, lots of really interesting clients. Um, So um, Adobe, still doing some work with them. Electronic Arts, the BBC, I suppose. Probably the, the point at which my parents thought I had a proper job was when I designed the stamps for the Royal Mail in Northern Ireland. Very nice. Up until that point, they were like, you know, what's a graphic designer? You know, when are you going to get a real job? Um, and when I did the stamps for, for Northern Ireland, that was the point at which they were like, oh, right, this must be a proper job, you know. And they literally got first day covers, <laughs> postcards. And I sort of learned about the paraphernalia that the Royal Mail sells stamps, but it also sells tons of other stuff around stamps like posters and prints and laser things in glass it's like well it's crazy but my mum and dad must have bought all of it you know it's in their hands wow. Proper so, fans. Uh, whereas whereas i absolutely hate that project 
Of course um, you do. Because it was designed by committee, you know, everything we did in Belfast had to be sent to London. And, you know, this was also in the days pre kind of any sense of gender equality. You know, it was right. mostly old men who were, you know, white old men who mm. were giving us their opinion on design. And our first set of stamps for Northern Ireland was um, a pint of Guinness, a packet of Tato cheese and onion crisps, which you probably won't know. But if you're from Northern Ireland, you would know what they are. Um, some oysters and an Ulster fry. And we, you know, we got word back that you couldn't use Guinness. You, you couldn't have any brands uh, because course. it would look like the Queen was endorsing it. Yeah. And that, that was actually one of my favorite designs. And then we had some other designs that were really nice, but, you know, then we re-photographed them over and over again. And eventually they just kind of, you know, when you've done a design over and over and over and it's kind of lost its soul. Yep. Um, so although that was a big project for me, it's probably one of the ones I dislike the most. Um, and around that time, actually, I then went to my boss, Rodney, um, who sadly passed away of cancer a few years ago. And he was a real mentor to me. And I, I just I couldn't do it full time anymore because the clients were some of them were really like quite unimaginative. So I went to Rodney, this was before the days of mobile phones and stuff and said, you know, and also you could smoke in the office. And I waded through the smoke into, into his office. And he said, you know, what, what do we want to talk about? And I said, look, I either have to quit or, you know, go down to four days a week. And he was like, why? And I said, I just, I can't do this anymore. It's just creatively for me, it's just a bit stifling. And he said, well, what do you want to do on your, your other day? And I said, I want to set up a record label. Um, nice. Rodney was amazing. I mean, it was before Google, it was before 20% time, all that kind of stuff. And he said, how's it going to work? I said, well, I take a pay cut of 20%. And he said, I'll tell you what we'll do. You go back out to the studio, tell everyone you took a pay cut. I'll pay you the same amount of money on a Friday. You come in here and work for your record label. And he knew that I would do the same amount of work in the four days that I was doing in the five days. I just didn't dick around on the internet quite so much. <laughs> and also we were a company that was doing traditional print. And yeah. because I was doing the record label stuff and working on the web, we were able to add, you know, the web and UX and, you know, an emerging medium to our, to our portfolio of skills. So it kind of worked out really well. And I suppose the moral of that story is to, I, which I always say to my students, is to go and ask, right? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They, well, either they could fire you or they could say no, you know, I mean, you've nothing to lose, you know? Absolutely. Um, so that's, I suppose that's my history. I've been doing this for quite a long time. Um, Design and educating all together, but yeah, like, yeah, ebbing and flowing uh, with the which areas you focus on the most. Yeah, and and with both of those things really feeding into each other, I think sure. it's really important that design feeds into education, and education feeds back into design. And now the latest thing I've been doing is setting up the School of Design, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about a wee bit down the line. Totally, that sounds great. So, I mean, you've kind of used your design background to progress your career into education and share mm -hmm. that back to you know the the, the young'uns as it were really and anyone that wanted to learn about stuff yeah when did that switch in your mind go i'd like to get into education and share this out a bit more i think what happened was um kara went to the royal college my wife kara went to the royal college to study silversmithing and jewelry i um, stayed on for two more years in glasgow to do a, ma a master's in multidisciplinary design which was way ahead of its time you know they were talking about um italian design uh, they were talking about multidisciplinarity and it was way, way before its time. And actually my year group was the last year group before the course was closed down. And I think the course director did a good job of keeping it open for like 10 years um, because most of the other departments wow. are like, what's this multidisciplinary thing? You know, it should all be specialist. So we moved back to Northern Ireland just for a short period of time because we had rent-free accommodation next door. And Kara's dad was the head of school in the School of Fine and Applied Arts in mm -hmm. Belfast School of Art. And she applied for a job in jewellery because somebody had just left. Actually, it was her dad, I think, had moved on to become the head of school. So this left this vacancy. And when we got married, Carrie decided to change her name to my name, Murphy, because she didn't want to be seen as McCrory, the daughter of Michael McCrory. Um, and so she wanted to change her name for that reason. She applied for a job at Belfast School of Art and, you know, she got a job as an associate lecturer, which is two and a half days a week. And I suppose like I looked at what she was doing with rose tinted spectacles and thought this must be amazing. 
Um, a friend of ours, a common friend of ours, then got me in to do a bit of teaching for him, like some workshops and masterclasses and things like that. And I thought, this is great fun. I'd love to, to do this. And at the beginning of education for me, which was kind of like 2000-ish, you know, it was great fun, but universities have changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, and so I, I came in originally to teach Photoshop, actually, and I bought a book called the Photoshop Wow Book or something, and I literally tried to teach myself all of Photoshop. And, you know, within a year or two, I decided, yeah, I want to do more of this. Nice. And 20 years on, you're still educating. Yeah, I th- so the only difference now is I do it via, via Zoom instead of uh, in a classroom you know yeah well we were just talking about that pre-recording weren't we about how we've had to adjust it's it's interesting because i was in my post office today and um tara the postmistress she said you know oh you must be finished soon because she thought i was still in Belfast school of art and i said i actually left there in in december and she was like what and she obviously not picked this up and i said yeah i teach now on the internet and she was like what um and i was talking to a guy in waterstones this morning as well and said oh, i teach on the internet and you know, I said I was teaching in Sweden two weeks ago, but I wasn't in Sweden, you know, and I'm really interested, Sai, to see what happens when normality returns. In inverted commas. You know, because I've been doing some teaching for Winchester School of Art, and when I was talking to their HR or human resources people, um, this lady, you know, I had to show a picture of my passport on Zoom and show, like, here's my photo and here's me and all this kind of stuff. And she said, well, of, of course, when things go back to normal next year, you'll bring that in. And I said, the, you know, well, I, there's no, I'm not bringing this passport in. I'm in Ireland. Yeah. And she said, yeah, no, but you'll have to bring it in. And I said, well, what's the point of that? I said, if we've just done it like this, why yeah. can't we just do it this way next? And I think that some people in universities think that normal things will return. And mm. I don't think there's any going back to to the the old times you know i think we i was talking to chris hellman about this last week as well and how we have had to adjust and learn how to adapt um yeah this sort of preconceived idea that there will be a normality again but they're basing it on what we had i think yeah we've got to move with the times now this is becoming a norm however we were talking again pre-recording that your daughter is at university at the moment yeah yeah it's not how you expected it or how she expected it to be no and i i do feel i mean like i finished my teaching at belfast school of art in december and the reason i finished in december was although my three months notice that i had to give would have finished me in november Mm. Um, and HR were initially kind of like, that's it, you stop on this date. And I said, I can't stop on that date because that's like week eight. And that's like two thirds of the way through it. I said, you know, I need to go to the end. You know, I don't want to leave those students in two thirds of the way through and then say, see ya. Mm. Because then you, I've seen it before and the students get a terrible experience. Um, and it was really important to me that it was a good clean handoff between semester one and semester two. Um, and so I stayed on to, to wrap that up. Um, but I did, I feel terrible for, for the students, you know, they're not having a degree show. They didn't have a degree show last year. And that degree show is like a real time of celebration of their work. And, mm. you know, it's that chance for their family to come down and see all the work that they've done. And it's also our chance as a teaching team to see the culmination of four years, three or four years worth of work. And so if you don't get a show, it is a little bit sad. Yeah. Um, you know, and last year was all virtual you know and this year it's the same that must be very bizarre yeah, yeah. it's a real shame you know yeah well i mean i think we can cry not cry but we can certainly dwell a little bit on this area but i think moving forward we've got a lot of opportunities to grow um and it's 100 percent. you're being quite admirable with the fact no i'm not going midterm i'm going to the end i'm trying to find better ways of doing this yeah which we can talk about in a moment with school of design I think that's really important. I think that not all, I don't, you know, I don't want to sort of sing my own praises, but not all staff are like that. I've seen other staff who've said, yeah, I can't wait to get out and boom, you know, they just leave at the moment, at the moment's, a moment's notice. And also there's like a kind of calculation you can do where you say you're going to leave, let's say in, you're going to hand in your notice in June Mm. and then you're going to get paid for July, August, September. Or if you want to be really bad, you hand in your notice at the beginning of August. And then you're going to get paid for August, September, October. But no one's going to want you to teach in October because it will be way too disruptive. Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting paid really to do nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, different people approach that in different ways. 
I feel like I couldn't be a highway robber like that. I just, it would be terrible, you know. Totally. So. Um, you briefly mentioned earlier your online course you did with, um, is it Sweden, with Bergs? Um, Bergs, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about where that came from? Is it, is it kind of keeping your foot in the door with education or is it just something else that happened? Uh, not so much. It was more a case of um, Jenny Thielen, who um, I, you know, I think I met on the internet. Right. Um, you know, she's like one of my internet friends. Um, she runs a Slack called Design Education, um, which is for design educators. And it's probably got about 900 people in it. It's a really, really proactive uh, group of designers from all over the world who teach design. Some are full-time academics and some are just maybe doing a bit of teaching here and there. Um, and so through that, Jenny and I were just chatting. And we, when I was doing my market research for the School of Design, I, I reached out to lots of different people to say, kind of roughly this is where I'm at and I'd love your thoughts kind of thing and Jenny was one of those people and Berg's is a really interesting school because like there's this one year course which is design strategy and digital marketing and they the students are all paying for it and it's mostly taught by professionals and at the end of the year they'd sort of said to the students is there anything you feel that's missing and they had all said like UI design um, and Jenny had sort of mentioned to me in passing, hey, do you not have some kind of UI stuff? And I said, well, yeah, I'm sort of halfway through writing this book for Adobe, which is the longest book I've ever written. It's taking so long. And I've also been building this course that I'm teaching at the School of Design. And so we jumped on a, a Zoom. I was in the car park, as usual. And we, you know, I showed her the structure of the stuff and said, this is kind of roughly where I'm at. And she said, would you do this for us for like a week? And I said, yeah, Absolutely. And so the only problem slightly was the time difference. So I would be 9.30 starting and it would be 10.30 for them. Um, And then we would do about two hours of me talking and showing stuff. And then I would give them tasks to do. And they were such hard workers and they were so enthusiastic. I mean, it really restored my faith in students. Um, Because you can sometimes get really good years of students and then other times are really terrible years. And these students were so hungry for knowledge. And, you know, by day three and four, I was saying, is there anything else you need? And they were saying, okay, could you, could you tell us about responsive web design? No one's told us about that. And so I was like, great. So I would quickly make some slides on responsive web design. And, you know, the next day I would do that. And we worked on a small DTRAMS project uh, to celebrate DTRAMS' 90th birthday. And that gives a chance to look at content design, topography, hierarchy, all these kinds of things. And uh, it was great. And Jenny is now moving on from Berg's and a new lady is taking over in her place called Paula. And Inga, who's the manager lady, she put me in touch with Paula yesterday. And, you know, I contacted her or or rather Inga did the introduction. And I was so busy yesterday because I was teaching that this lady emailed me and said, oh, I heard great things about your course, but I'd like to you know, I'd like you to do it next year, but I'd like to bring it further earlier in the in the school year. And I said, that's great, because that's what the students all said. They love to get this content, but it should be earlier, you know, so they have more time to, to use it. And so it looks like I'll be doing it again next year. So, But the, the key thing I, I wanted to stress there is, you know, Jenny is just like an, a Twitter friend, you yeah. know. And, you know, I, a lot of the time when I'm t- teaching students, and I use that term very broadly because now I'm teaching pro- mostly professionals, you know, a lot of them, they'll either be in the very active on Twitter or, you know, why would I use Twitter? It's a total waste of time. And I'm like, if you are ever stuck for work, Twitter is an amazing tool, you know. Completely agree. Yeah. And it's led to so much work, you know. Well, I mean, you've got quite a strong profile on Twitter as well, which probably helps, right? Just to... Yeah, although when I was unwell, because um, I was off work for about six or seven months with really bad burnout and just right. just in general um, mental health issues, um, I, I didn't really do any social media at all um, for a while. And actually over the last year or so, I've been kind of a bit patchy, you mm. know. I mean, I haven't done it in a systematic kind of way the way I used to. And my certainly my plan is to get a little bit back into it a wee bit more, you know, as it as it's required, right? So yeah, yeah, maybe not with such the level of obsession that I maybe did it before. You know, it's funny you say that though, because I found myself, especially in the early days in the noughties of Twitter, I was on it incessantly, and it became a yeah. little bit too of a too habit. Much. Um, mm. And I and I didn't burn out, but I certainly reached a point where I need to get out. I need to take a, a rain check on this, and then mm. come back a bit more carefully. You know. Mm-hmm. mindful of how much time I need to spend on this stuff. So I literally delete all the apps as well. I think also you've got that balance between, you know, you're looking at 
everybody else seems to be having this perfect life, uh, especially with Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone seems to be having this great time and everything's going really well. I mean, nobody tweets and says, I'm having a shit day today. Or, you know, you tend to see mostly positive stuff. And yeah. so, you know, I've always found that you, 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 I personally have looked at that and thought, well, why is my life so shit? Uh, you know, of course your life's not shit. You know, you're just going through a bit of a mm. self-doubting phase, which we all have as creatives, right? Totally. Um, and, you know, I think that for me, I was just like using Twitter a bit too much. Sure. Um, I think, so, and yeah. your, your burnout, I think everyone should recognize is a real thing. And it's... 100%. I, you know, I'd heard people talk about burnout before. Mm. And I was in Donegal and it was, I think I went off around about sort of November, December, and in January, I was in Donegal and Cara had come back. She was working. She was marking. I was up in Donegal on my own. Cara was a bit worried about leaving me there on my own. But I said, look, it'll be fine. I'm just going to try and walk every day. And at one point, she she texted me and she said, well, at least you can watch The Wire, which I had on DVD and had never managed to watch. And I didn't even have the energy to to do that. You know, you know I was kind of getting up and putting the DVD into the DVD player and you know, I just, I had no energy. I just, you know, I didn't really feel motivated, you know, and I'm really into film and TV and, you know, just everything was just washing over me. And it really is hard to describe. I just like, you know, I had no energy, you know, it's just like mm. it had all gone, you know. And oh. um, if anybody knows me, they know that I'm usually doing about 20 different things at the same time. So, you know, and I think one of the lessons I've learned over the last three years is, you know, I was doing 20 different things and then crashing really hard and then 20 different things and then crashing. And what I'm trying to do now is maybe make that more like that, you know, yeah. less high, less low, you know, flatten it a bit, you know. Makes sense. I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, how, where you've been and sort of the, the background to your career. Now you've come to this point about the School of Design, which we've talked about a few times. Can you tell us yeah. about how, well, obviously we've got some motivation as to how that came about. But what is that USP that you're really going for with um, the School of Design? So the School of Design used to be called Design Track um, before it became the School of Design. And it was two years ago, I took over a UX module in Belfast School of Art, which wasn't really a UX module. And I had completely rewritten it to focus on UX. Um, and the problem that I wanted the students to explore was teaching UX uh, design right. um, on the web. And I thought this would be an interesting experiment. Get them to explore how we could use digital tools to deliver um, UX education in a different way and get them all to do a ton of research for me, which was great. And, you know, I was really clear when we started. I said, you know, I'm a half-time member of staff now, and I may use some of these ideas on my own uh, project, which, uh, you know, at, at the time didn't have a name. And I said, and equally, you can all use some of these ideas for your own stuff because we're very focused on startups and that kind of stuff. Yep. And, of course, most students in second year would not actually have the desire to do that. Uh, so I was able to get some really good research. One of the students came up with this really nice brand called Design Track. And I, he, he then we then ended up employing him at Little Thunder, who are two of my graduates who are friends of mine, littlethunder.co. Um, and so they hired um, Dan Gold, whose brother, John, works for Airbnb. And I said to Dan, look, you know, would you mind if I just use this design track stuff? Um, and I, I think I was going to give him like 5% of the business or something. Right. It was crazy. And then we had a, I was on a startup accelerator called Propel. And we had a talk by Jamie Coleman from Codebase in Edinburgh. And he came in and said, you know, anyone who's got 5% and 3%, get rid of them. You know, they should not be, you know, owning. And I went back to Dan and said, look, well, I don't know what I was thinking when I said, five percent you know you give me a number i'll pay you some money to buy these assets off you anyway design track was great i like the, the name we had a brand with a nice track which dan had done and then one evening we were watching the peanut butter falcon which is a really good film right. and i came into the kitchen and i i opened up um i can't remember what i was using um but i opened up to see you know is the school of design.com is that free and it wasn't, but it, I was able to buy it for not a huge amount of money. Um, and I thought, you know, I, so I, I was teaching some students on like a kind of self-contained thing where I'd say, if you pay me 800 quid, I'll teach you for as long as it takes everything you need to know about UX and UI. Um, you know, and they were like, as long as, you know, like forever. And I was like, 
know, come on. There'll come a point where I'm going to shove you out of the nest, right? Um, anyway, with one of these um, students, I said, okay, which of these sounds better? I learned UX at Design Track or I learned UX at the School of Design? And she said, oh, the School of Design sounds way better. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I should change the name of this. So I changed the name to the School of Design. And then last year I ran some prototype courses where I did a, you know, sell while you sleep, which was like making money as a creator on the internet. Um, I did this crazy thing where I said, if you give me 300 quid, I'll teach you for life. Um, and 12 people signed up for that and they were amazing. I learned so much off those people and I think they got a really good deal, 300 quid for almost like endless tutorials. Um, but they, they also made amazing progress. I had this student called Anda Popovici who worked for um, Free Agent. She was a developer and she wanted to learn to draw icons um, like Fitbell. Mm-hmm. And at the and we used this master apprentice approach where they copy other people's work and learn the skill. And I showed the work to Vic Bell and she was like, bloody hell, this is like my work. I and mean, she was amazed. And so we were trying things out. And then this year I started to formalize it a wee bit more and started to put together the curriculum for the UI course, Building Beautiful UIs. And then I sort of tweeted, I was looking at the tweets this morning and said, you know, uh, I'm going to start teaching Building Beautiful UIs on the 4th of May. Um, you know, I'll teach something new every week. And, you know, eventually this course will cost $1,500, you know, but if you want to join now, it's 95 quid. Um, and I checked in the last three months, we've sold 65 places. And so in a kind of not too planned way, we've sort of evolved into something. And I was talking to the, to the students or the learners last night and said, you know, is everyone happy? Everyone's really happy. And so the way it works is on a Tuesday, I do a live talk. So I'll, last night we talk about typography. And so I'll talk about typography and I'll cover it in a broad sense. And then on the Wednesday today, I look at the slides, I tidy them up a little bit. Like if there's anything I think was unclear, I fix it. And then on the Thursday, my son Ross comes over and there's two tripods here that never move. And I talk to this one and that's the B-roll over there. And, you know, I run through the stuff and he then edits it all and puts the music in and all that. He'd studied music at Queen's, so he wrote me some nice little, you know, incidental music and stuff. It was great. Um, Ross is, like, amazing. I mean, you know, I'm his dad, so I think he's amazing anyway. But, I mean, he's my director. He's my editor. He's my advisor. He's my friend. He's my son. You know, all of these things. And it's great because, you know, he comes over. I, you know, we do the stuff. And because he's my son, he can say to me, Dad, that's shit. You know, I think you should redo it. Or uh, at once, one, one, we did one recording and I called, I used the word midgets. And Ross was like, Dad, you can't say midgets. <laughs> and I was like, really? Um, so we recorded me saying, because I was looking for the word hobbits. And so he did really funny edits and things like that. And I just let him do what he wants. And most of the people's feedback on the videos, when the videos drop, is that the videos have the same kind of quirky sense of humor as me sort of teaching. So we've got a really good rhythm. It's like Tuesday live talks, Wednesday fixing Thursday videos. And so now that we, last week we did content design. So, you know, that's quite a big area. So there's a bunch of extra videos we're recording tomorrow on that. And then we're going to record a bunch of extra videos on typography. And the idea is that we've got um, form, which is point, line, plane. It's very art school. Um, and then we've got content and then we've got typography and then we've got color and then we've got layout. So we've got these key themes and, you know, every week I'm, you know, I try to add at least two videos to the thing. And the idea is by the end, we'll have like a, a video course. But all of these people are getting essentially like a minimum. Well, I was going to say an MVP, but actually an MLP is like a mixture of the two, nice. a minimum lovable product, you know. And they're they're a great audience as well. And, you know, it's really, it makes such a difference teaching live when everyone's got their videos on. Because I can see the students like nodding their heads and, you know, and you can see that you're connecting with them you know wow so i mean it sounds like it's been a nice evolution over the last year give or take of there's a demand here i've got some good ideas and user research to feed into it and really with i mean if you've got 65 places booked out now that's a good course size really isn't it i mean what's the typical size in a university it's like 30 odd in a university it might be sort of 25 to 30 if it was in my in the old course that i used to teach on um the 65 number works quite well some of those people are not wanting to come to the tuesdays they just want to watch the videos Mm. and other people turn up religiously every tuesday 
Um, and it's a mixture of the two. And then some people are paying a little bit more. So I think there's a deal, which, I mean, I should know all of this because I'm running <laughs> the thing, but it's all very ad hoc. You know, it's 95 quid gets you access to this teaching package. And then 195, which is far too low, gets you access to three tutorials, essentially, like coaching sessions. And yeah, and I'm doing a few informal tutorials with other people here and there, you know. Nice. If you need help with your side project, either for inspiration, support, or just general feedback, remember to join our On The Side community on Slack. There are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there, including Sam Hardacre, Mike Street, Dom Hodgson, and Mark Lismore. Pop on over to ontheside.network, which will take you straight through to registration, and I'll see you in there. The reason I did this was because I love teaching. I really enjoy teaching you know, but I also really enjoy doing my own work as well. And so, you know, when we, you know, for example, the data Rams project we're doing, I'm designing some stuff for that and sharing my work and the students are sharing their work too. And, you know, the mixture of notion for your content, um, zoom for your videos and your live stuff, uh, Vimeo for distribution, because it's just a wee bit nicer than YouTube, you know, accountly for booking tutorials, etc. You know, you've got all these amazing tools now that you could kind of run a school, you know, for not that much money, you know. Mm, sounds ideal. Just before we move on to some of the other stuff, can you talk about some of those frustrations that you got from working in the institutionalized education? Obviously, we need to probably tread carefully on this, but. Yeah, I need to, I, you know, one of the things I said to Adam Proctor when we were doing Uneducators was, you know, we've we've been through about three different pivots of what we were talking about. And the first was, you know, I, you know, after I spoke, went back to Adam and said, we need to re-pitch this a bit because I feel like I'm criticizing academia too much. And, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to focus on the positives. And so the second iteration of Uneducators, we were much more positive about how we frame things. I think the key thing is is fees. When I when I studied at Glasgow School of Art, the, the, there were no course fees. So 1988 to 1992 and then 92 to 94, I hadn't pay course fees for any of that. Um, I might have paid some fees for the masters. I can't remember. But my graphic design degree was there was no charge, um, and now students at the same Glasgow School of Art pay nine thousand two hundred and fifty pounds a Crazy year. Money. And if they're Scottish, they don't pay anything because Scots have a different attitude towards education. But if they are from anywhere other than Scotland, it's £9,250 a year. So you have got my daughter, who is doing a four-year silversmithing and jewellery course, which my wife did at the same place um, 30 years ago for free. And Caitlin's racking up about 40 grand's worth of debt, never mind living expenses, etc. And for me, I think that the, the issue is that when you introduce pricing into the equation, you fundamentally alter the dynamic between the teacher and the student. Um, you know, what was once an exchange of ideas, uh, which was, you know, you were learning from somebody who was wiser than you and who had more experience than you. But, you know, there was still peer learning, but also learning from these, these lectures. It's now become very transactional. And when you introduce um, that transactional mindset, into uh you know what was a free exchange it changes the dynamic and you get students who are you know i'm paying for this uh you know and people will actually say that to you uh and you know i suppose you know i never really used to say this back but i was always sort of thinking well you're not really actually paying for this we're paying for this you know you may never actually pay this back you know, and that's a one good thing, you know, and if Caitlin never makes any money as a silversmith and jeweler, she may never have to pay that money back, um, you know, because you only have to pay once you go above a certain Same threshold. threshold. Yeah. But once the students are in that experience, as far as they're concerned, they're paying for it. Um, and that just that just changes the whole dynamic too much. The other thing that's changed as well is, you know, over the course of the last 20 years, we've seen things like vice chancellor's pay has, you know, become quite inflated you know a few years ago we heard about porn star martinis and all of this kind of stuff and then as you start to have a market of of education you know universities are spending money on things like buildings and you know because they want to have these including belfast university ulster university has this huge campus that they're building in the belfast city center and you know the buildings are important but the staff are what really makes education and 
I personally feel that staff are perhaps under um, resourced right. in favor of things like buildings and gyms and those kinds of things. Got it. So I guess all this sort of feeds into why you've kind of created the School of Design because you've seen like the, the escalated fees, the kind of yeah. resourced you know, teaching, but also where the market is kind of moving, especially after the last year, we can, mm. we can use online to enable yeah. education. Um, One of the big things for me was um, Lambda School. There was this big fallout of, about Lambda School. And Lambda School's, I think, doing a really... In fact, the I'd heard about Lambda School from Dan Gold, who did the design track branding. Um, and I, so I went and took a look at it and thought, oh, this is really interesting. You don't pay anything until you get a job. And then, you know, it's an income share agreement. Um, and Lambda, I'm sure, are doing a fantastic job with their coding and engineering, all that kind of stuff, but they were moving into UX. And I, I remember at the time thinking, hmm, that's quite different because design is quite subjective. And, you know, like, let's say you're dealing with some engineering problems that, you know, a lot of these things are mathematical or, you know, there might be a right answer and a wrong answer or, or a, you know, at least it's a little bit clearer between right and wrong. Whereas in design, it's very subjective, you know, and it's quite hard to teach. And there was an article, I think it was on The Verge, where a number of students on the UX course had complained. And I, um, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, I, I pitched in and said, look, if anyone's on that Lambda thing and it's gone a bit tits up, you know, come over to the School of Design and I'll teach you for free. And it wasn't like I was trying to, you know, be strategic about it. It was just like, it was just me being me. Yeah. And then Chris McLeod, who was the organizer of the Propel um, startup program that I was on he said oh you know your tweets were you know really kind of quite well written I was thinking like they weren't really well written I just kind of wrote them that that way and he said you know because they they were you know they were jumping on the opportunity but not looking like you were jumping on the opportunity and I ended up with one of my best students um Tyler Nishida who's from Hawaii and he would who was on Lambda School and then came over to us and he left a quote somewhere, we use it somewhere, that says, you know, I learned more in, in a day with Chris than I did in six months of, with this other program that cost me thousands. Um, and I said I wouldn't take any money off him. And he would show up at four in the morning. Wow. You know, I'd be doing a talk in the evening. And then I'd say, hi, Tyler, it's great to see you. You know, what time is it in Hawaii? And he'd say, it's 4 a.m. And I was like, what the hell? But I mean, he was really committed and he, you know, he learned so much stuff. And for me, that was a really important thing. You know, it was like trying to level the playing field a little bit. Mm. And I suppose one of the things that I'm wrestling with at the minute is the £95 fee uh, for membership. I'm almost wondering if I could keep that going at that rate and not make it £1,495. Actually, I do think that once I get the BBUI's course done, it needs to go up. But maybe not to the level of which some of the other UI courses are selling two, three thousand dollars, you know. But you know, if you're if you're selling something for ninety-five pounds, you know, it's it's not a lot of money. Well, I mean, there's a lot of money to some people, mm. but you know, it's not it's not like you paid two grand for a course and then you're like, holy shit, this is rubbish. Yep. You know, it, you know, you I said last night to everybody, you know, is everybody having fun? Is everybody learning stuff? And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, this is great, you know, and I said, great, as long as you're happy to show up on a Tuesday, and I'll teach you some stuff I, you know, just made on Tuesday, they're like, yeah, bring it on, and I'm like, great, you know, because, like, I've missed that hunger, not yeah. all students have that hunger, you know. Nice, so what's the the plan then with the School of Design, is it still sort of work in progress? I think it's still a work in progress. I think the next thing is get the website up and running, which has definitely been something we're working on for about two years. And I think that, you know, most people from the surface probably think, what the hell's going on? But the, the reason it's like that is it's working really well behind the scenes. The Slack is going really well. We've got a really nice community. Everyone's very supportive. And that community is, is really, really awesome. You know, we have ch different channels for like BBUIs. We've got a discoveries channel where people share links. And, you know, we've just got a really nice vibe in the place. And one of the, one of the students today who's from Africa, Nero, was, you know, asking about grant applications and stuff. And I, you know, I finished with him and said, go into the general channel and, you know, make an announcement. Say if anyone wants a lecture on grant applications and how to successfully get money out of the government etc you know 
do a thumbs up, do a wee poll and, you know, we'll run it. And so he did that and it looks like we're running a grant applications workshop. And two or three weeks ago, we were doing UX portfolios. You know, so some of it's, you know, the UI course, and then some of it's kind of like, what do you need right now? You know, and then different people. Yeah, I like the fact that you've got like the foundations really with the BBUI stuff, but then yeah. on demand, what are the hot topics that need to be addressed? And it's, it's that probably engages with the community more because the fact that they are being listened to. Yeah, I think so. And the other thing for me as well, Sai, is, um, you know, when I'm reading a book, uh, you know, I'm always thinking, oh, this is interesting. We should share this. And, you know, students at the School of Design get access to all my other books that I've published, but also my reading notes for books mm-hmm. that I've read, um, which is useful for me because I get to make my notes and I can refer to them. But it's useful for students because it's almost like Blinkist um for for you know school of design members and so when i'm reading a book i'm thinking oh we could do a lecture on this or a lecture on that so sometimes i go into the slack and say does anyone fancy a lecture one one thing that we're going to do later this year is called idea factories it's about you know the process of coming up with ideas right um and it's a four-week course so short sharp and intensive like four one-hour slots and then a little bit of uh, content each week that you have to read and some exercises cool Plenty of plans. You've mentioned um, a few times Uneducated's podcast. Yeah. Uh, how did you fit that in and how does it sit alongside what you're doing? Uneducated's was so funny. So um, Adam Proctor, who teaches at Winchester School of Art on the games course, is a friend of mine ever since we went to Web Teaching Day, um, which Richard Eskins at Manchester Metropolitan University used to run religiously until he retired this year as well. I mean, I'm not retired, but, you know, we both left academia. Mm. He's he's definitely retired. Um, but we, he used to run Web Teaching Day every year. We always used to come from all over the UK and then late, latterly Europe as well and share best practice. And Adam and I ended up sharing a tube to somewhere because we always used to go, go to the pub afterwards and then we were racing to a airport or something. Um, and so we became friends and it, he... he contacted me it was about a year ago and said, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, okay, th- that sounds great. I mean, I've always wanted to do a podcast. And then on the first episode, it transpired that he had literally asked everybody else, would they want to do the <laughs> podcast? And they'd all said no. And so in the first episode, it was like, geez, th- thanks, Adam. I'm like the dregs in the barrel here. And he just desperately wanted to do a podcast with somebody. And he likes um, accidental tech podcasts. I yep. like that too. And Daring Fireball, John Gruber's podcast. Yep. Um, and, you know, he just wanted something that was low stress. You know, we just chat about education. And it's been through about three iterations and frequently has big, long gaps. And then we get back up to our weekly cadence type thing. I think actually what we might do is take a leaf out of your book with seasons because I think that's the way to go. I Yeah, I realized that that helps just give me a, a kind of a, a goal and then it's not too much. Yeah, 100%, you know. So the first sort of thing was like my my opinion outside of education and his opinion within education. It got a bit difficult because we were, it was right at the start of the pandemic and we were both quite critical of the lack of communication by our respective universities because I was still at Belfast School of Art. And, you know, I, I phoned him and said, look, we can't, we can't do this podcast like this anymore. It's too, it's too negative. We're highlighting all the negatives. We are both like really positive about education. We need to get more of that. Um, so the next episode, we, or the next kind of iteration, we were much more positive. And I think the the latest is kind of like just trying to get not just education, but just design generally. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And the other thing I've been listening, have you heard um, the Yo podcast? No. Oh, it's really good. Um, it's with, I believe, is Rob Hope. And for, for a while I was calling him Rob Love because his name, his website was One Page Love. And like three or four days I was calling him Rob Love. And then I realized, God, I've been calling this guy the wrong bloody name. Not a bad name though. Anyway, he has, this, he has this podcast called Yo. He's based in South Africa. Um, okay. And he just sent me a postcard, which I thought was really nice. He was on holiday and he sent me a postcard saying, thanks for listening to the show. Um, and so he interviews kind of designers, a bit like what you're doing. And I remember listening to his and thinking, yeah, we've got all this internet, incidental music that Ross has done. And I'd quite like to interview designers, not like what Adam and I are doing, slightly different, and just pick their brains and talk to them. Because like last year during the pandemic, I sp- we had sessions with um, Andy Bird, 
Um, you know, we had some really good speakers, Sarah Winters, sure. formerly Richards uh, from gov.uk. And we had some great speakers. And I thought this would make for good podcast material. Plus, we've got these mm-hmm. nice incidental music Ross has done. So, so that's, it sounds like you've got a nice um, idea to go with the podcast. Do you, how do you fit it in time-wise? Because this is what I find I struggle uh, with. Yeah, I think that, you know, I was seeing my cognitive behavioral therapist for the first time in over a year on last Friday. Um, and it was interesting because I kind of left with her. I've got my Tracy notes here. Her name's Tracy. Um, and so I have, I wrote this after I was finished with Monday to Tuesday coaching, Tuesday evening group teaching, which is the lecture, the live lecture, Wednesday post articles, tidy slides, Thursday videos, Friday art, and, nice. you know, and then Saturday and Sunday, maybe just messing around you know and not really working all the time because if there's been one thing i've been guilty of in the past it's been like burning the candle at both ends and in the middle you know yeah and trying to set up two things really is going to really struggle to find that time and balance right yeah Um, yeah so i mean you've mentioned a few times as well like the family around you you've got ross working with you on the school design yeah and your your wife's history and obviously your daughter's at university Mm -hmm. How do you find that time to be with them as well? I think, honestly, I I put my answer to this question because we'd swapped some answers before. I said, I'm working on it, was my answer to the question. (laughs) Is it the correct answer? (laughs) Actually, when I look back at my, you know, when I was younger, I was very career focused and I was really crap at dad stuff. I mean, it was terrible. Um, And, you know, for me, it was maybe a turning point about four or five years ago where I realized maybe I'd lost the opportunity to spend time with my kids um, growing up. And, you know, so I then made a determined effort to really try and, you know, not that up. Excuse my French, you can bleep that out. Um, And so I'm sort of working on it, you know. And I think the fact that we've moved from, um, or I've moved from teaching in Buffalo School of Art to having more control over my time, you know, it means, for example, Caitlin's coming back tomorrow at 8 a.m. or some crazy hour in the morning. Um, and then, you know, she'll be home tomorrow. So, you know, I'll be doing videos with Ross, but we'll also be able to see her as well. So and then we're off to Donegal for the weekend, which would be nice. Oh, very nice. But yeah, the answer to that question is I'm working on it. I mean, I remember one time when we were Nesta trainers. Uh, so I used to be a Nesta trainer. And one of my colleagues, Debbie Fraser, you know, we had to talk about values and what mattered to us and what didn't matter. And values, you know, it was like, what are your top three values and which three don't you give a shit about sort of thing? And she had family, totally important. And my, that was in my I don't give a shit about it. And she was like, what? You know, and, and now I would totally have family in the I totally give a shit about that. So I think you change over your life. You know? Totally. Nice. I want to wrap this up yeah. now because I think we're running out of time. But have you got any little tips or pro tips you'd like to share with the listeners on how to balance everything? Oh, my goodness. Um, one thing I do, I do want to quickly say one thing. One of your other questions was, do you have any other pastimes you try to fit in? And the answer yeah. is music. I love music. And I just bought, do you know Teenage Engineering? Uh, I heard of it, yeah. Oh, they make amazing sequencers. And I am saving up for an OP1. It's such a nice little synthesizer. And they make these really beautiful little um, pocket operators, which are like little pocket synthesizer sampler things for like 50 quid. And that is, Ross and I are spending the weekend dicking around with those. Um, Tips. I think the first thing I did once I got control of my calendar was I put like margin time at lunch every day um, so that, you know, there's nothing, nobody can book that slot. And then I I block that off on a Sunday. Um, A Saturday, I still use a little bit for tutorials and coaching and stuff because sometimes people have full-time jobs and can't do it during the week. And I suppose like planning ahead a wee bit, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm run down or I've maybe been doing too much and I need to catch up and have a bit of rest what I'll do is I'll go and block off the next week so that no one can book any slots with me um and I've become slightly better at saying no to people 
it's, it's hard, hard it's really hard you very know hard especially when you're so positive and you want to yeah but i think i've learned the lesson that if you say yes and then you have to say no a week or two later it's better just to say no at the start yeah and it's taken a long time for that to go into my brain but i think it it is finally settling in there you know i think the little trick on that for one for me is say not yet yeah i'd heard that yeah give me give me enough chance to come back with a better time or would this time be better for you rather than now it's it's hard one other tip i would say is you know i used to do this with the record label i had like fictitious people you know and i would instead of me saying i think your demo's crap i would say oh my partner conrad's not really mad keen on it um so it took the weight off me and the other thing i do is i use Kara a lot as a shield so i say well i'll need to talk to Kara about that which is the truth i mean i do need to talk to her about it but i used to just impulsively say yes okay um and then i'd have to extricate myself whereas now i say i'll have to talk to Kara about it and that just buys me that bit of space to really think you know, is that just the enthusiasm of the moment you're saying yes or, you know, so that you can also use Kyra to actually bounce the idea off her as well. Yeah, 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 100%. So, love it. You know, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful to chat with you, Chris. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Appreciate you joining me for this. Um, so School of Design is probably the big one. How do people find that? Is it just schooldesign.com? Yeah, schooldesign.com. Um, and probably the best way is on Twitter. I'm Failer on Twitter, F-E-H-L-E-R. I'm Failer on Instagram as well if you want to see some crazy weird um, Ooh, exactly. label stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, trying, trying to get back into that Instagram again. That's cool, so. man. Um, we'll get all that in the show notes as well so people can find this stuff easier. Um, hopefully other people yeah. enjoyed this conversation and we might come back again another time in the future to see how things are going. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to. Yeah, or yeah. we get you to come on my podcast oh. when we have a name for it. That would be quite interesting. That would you know? be interesting. Happy to do that yeah. as well. Yeah, because yeah, then we would do it in a different way and that would, that would yeah, that sounds interesting already. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, you heard cool. it here. So we're being held accountable yeah. now. It's, it's on yeah, so we have to say time. this time next year or something. This time next year, not yet, yeah. but yeah, definitely yeah. soon. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> Got it in there. See, I see what you did there. Very good. Good stuff. <laughs> Huge thanks to Chris for joining me on this week's episode. I know we could have both gone on for so much longer, but I hope we captured enough to grab your attention and find out more. As Chris mentioned, you can find him on Twitter as at Fella, that's F-E-H-L-E-R, as well as join the School of Design through the link in his bio. Make sure you reach out to Chris if you want to find out more, and we'll probably reconvene again in the near future. As for the podcast, we obviously love to hear your thoughts. Get in touch on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as at MakeLifeWorkPod. You can always email hello at MakeLifeWorkPodcast.com. And you can obviously visit the website makelifeworkpodcast.com for all the show notes and archives. And remember to rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. I'll be back next time with someone else to talk about balancing their side projects on the Make Life Work podcast.